you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training. Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Lindsay Sutherland. Welcome, Lindsay. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Awesome. And I'm super excited to talk today. We have some exciting things to touch on. So, but before we get started, there's a few people around the world who don't yet know who you are. Would you mind doing a bit of an introduction so they get to know some more about you? Well, my name's Lindsay and I, I was born and raised in Arizona. I started out in the automotive industry a month after I turned 18 and uh, quickly worked my way up to management. I mean, within just a couple of years and uh, it was surprising looking back, like how that even happened, but I was a go-getter and I was hungry for more and learning anything and everything I could get my hands on. I was going to school full-time when I first started and soon thereafter realized I would make more money in this, in the automotive industry than I would have made with my degree. So I, I quit mid-year about 18 months into school and uh, I, I later regretted that thinking, oh man, I should have finished. But, but really hindsight now is, is obviously 2020, thank goodness. And I learned that basically I got paid to get my education. I got paid to learn sales. I got paid to learn marketing. I got paid to learn management, all of the genres, finance. I did finance and uh, you know even accounting. So there were so many different aspects of the business that I got to learn hands-on and Albeit the hard way, <laughs> but it was it paid off in dividends. I would say. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and I, I like to like the same way I learned management. Right, like when I, when I first got interested in management, I was very young, only eighteen as well. But um, my my thought was the same. I'm I'm not going back to school, but uh, I ended up learning yeah the hard way, but also yeah got paid to learn. So yeah, <laughs> good. A good way to learn skills. A good way to learn skills. Um, and now today, you know, I've I've left the corporate world and I'm I've relocated. Actually, I moved up to North Idaho. People either thought I was crazy or commended me completely because I was going from the desert to the mountains, and um, I truly love it here. I would not change it for the world. I have the most beautiful scenery and slower paced way of life. I tell the story too, Mads, I don't know if you realize, but both of my parents passed away young, so I, they never made it to retirement. So I, I, I couldn't see myself working for the rest of my life and then someday getting to live in a log cabin in the woods. So I just, I just ditched it all and moved. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to do it. And uh, are you crazy? Am I crazy? <laughs> is that what you said or you yeah. said you are crazy no no i are you crazy because you, you said people said you were crazy for moving up there so I just double yeah. checking <laughs> well it could be it could be i mean it, looking back at what i did i think to myself if the pain wasn't so real like this this passion inside of me you know the, it's almost like the uh think and grow rich. He says, you know, when you have a burning desire, something will change. And it was such a burning desire to live in a small town that it didn't feel crazy at the time. But I think if I was looking at myself from an outsider perspective, I gave up an amazing job. Uh, I gave up a very nice house. I gave up, you know, just so many things, but 
I also know what I gained. I've got five acres. My kids can play outside and I don't worry about somebody picking them up off the streets. And, you know, just there's just peacefulness here that I didn't have there. So it's nice. Interesting. Yeah, it's I mean, one of the things that I enjoy the most is not owning stuff. So I'm I I travel a lot around the world and I have done for, for many years. But the fact that I can pick up everything I own and put it in my backpack and go somewhere else is so freeing. And I feel like you know, so many people are so busy with not just big house, but you know, they need to own all of this stuff that they think makes them happy. And reality is in most cases they aren't. So yeah. Very, Very interesting. <laughs> Okay, so one of the things that I really want to talk about today, Lindsay, is this thing about how close as a manager you can get to your staff and how do you manage to be a manager and sometimes maybe even a friend of someone that you're working with, right? So I think that's one of the topics that definitely both a lot of corporate managers but also business owners struggle a lot with, like this sort of balance between how am I the boss and how am I also your colleague and how am I sometimes your friend and how to balance that, right? So what's what's sort of your take on it and what's been your experience throughout the years? Yeah, I've got some good ones. Um, You know, starting out in management so young, I didn't have my foundation of, I guess, maturity, you could say. And so it was, I, and I wasn't always one of the girls who wanted to be a popular person anyway. So it wasn't like I needed to be everyone's friend, but what I did is I had this innate desire that if I poured into somebody, I just assumed that that was going to be reciprocated in some way, shape or form. Right. And, um, it was always a struggle. I can remember when I I used to run, I run call centers eventually that kind of was where I found my niche. And I would bring in people who had very little experience and train them and bring them up into the business. And uh, I remember one gal, uh, I, she used to babysit my kids. I'd have her babysit my kids. I had a baby. I had two babies. Actually, we worked together. She saw me have my babies. My babies grew up. I mean, we really worked together for quite some time she was having some trouble with her husband and I, but I was, I was a mentor for her. I, I just really felt like we were friends, even though I didn't really, I didn't wouldn't have hung out with her necessarily outside of works that much, but it was, it was just that relationship that we had going. And then one day she ended up getting pregnant, which was a surprise to her because she'd been told she couldn't have children. So it was right at the time when she was getting ready to leave her husband. I mean, talk about horrible timing. Uh, she was a wreck. And I understood, I've, you know, I was, I was right into the thick of it with her. Now, mind you, throughout this whole thing, she was still a good per- producer. She wasn't somebody who let her personal life affect her work. You know, we might have to have a little chat. She'd get her mind back on it, but she wasn't, it wasn't performing uh, changing her performance. But then, so I, um, she had her baby, right? She leaves, she goes on maternity leave. She took her 12 weeks of, of FMLA and all of that. Well, then it was time for her to come back. And I was trying to give her some grace. She was struggling with postpartum depression, things with her husband. And, um, I finally just said, you know, via text message, because she wouldn't answer my calls at this point, listen, I want to be able to hold a space for you here at work, but I only have so much time I can do that. And I want to help you. I'm here for you. I mean, I was still giving her all of this grace. So she ended up filing unemployment and 
saying some really harsh things about me personally. And I think it was then that I started to realize, like, that's kind of when I started to say, oh my goodness, like, I need to have some boundaries here. Then there's always that emotional part of it where you're just, you're just like, how did that happen? I'm, why am I, why is she saying these things about me after everything that we've been through and everything I've done? And, um, you know, it was a very eye-opening experience. I think it was probably the most eye-opening experience I had. Now, moving forward from that, as, as a boss, as a manager, I really got a lot of value in my job by pouring out into people. Like that's what made it fun for me was watching these people come in as $10 an hour employees and growing them to making three and $4,000 a month to then seeing them blossom even further and move into other areas in the dealership or move on in life. Like that is literally what was in it for me. That was it. I mean, the paycheck was the paycheck, but in order for me to feel like taking time away from my family was valuable, the only way it made sense was to pour into other people. And so I I felt like almost for a while, I wanted to pull away and just back away and get very stoic and very um, cold hearted. You know, I just, I didn't want to continue to blend these lines of, of friendship and, and responsibility and you know, I just got to keep it about business only. And that wasn't fulfilling for me. In fact, I felt more like I was suffocating in a prison cell (laughs) at that point, because what I was, I needed to express myself in order for it to feel like worthwhile, right. To feel that fulfillment. So that went on for a while. And now being that I worked in the car business, it's a very male dominated it's all about the numbers. It's very cold. It's not a heart-centered space to work, okay? So I'm surrounded by upper management. I was I was upper management, but I was like the only woman. So all of the people that I'm with, you know, it was it was easy for them. So I could I see that and I'm like, "Well, maybe I need to be more like they are." Now, granted this is just kind of I'm shortening up my journey. This happened over an sure. expansive period of time, but in the end, this, uh, I realized that no, I am a woman and it's what makes me a good manager is that I want to pour into people. I didn't see myself as the end all be all. A, a lot of times, I think some managers, at least the ones that I was working with, they kind of saw themselves as like the big kahuna, you know, <laughs> like everyone's there to please them. And I really saw myself as a servant of the people. I saw that if I don't pour into them, I am doing them a disservice. I'm doing myself a disservice. I'm doing the company a disservice because this is what I'm good at. You know, what? when I would have people that were struggling month to month, because it was a commission-based thing. I would look at myself first. What have I not done? What have I not given them? How have I shorted them on tools or resources or training to help them be better? I would sit with them. I would do 90 days. I would say, okay, we've got 90 days to get you on track. And I let them know that I was graded based on their performance and that it was my intention for them to be successful. And here's what we needed to do. And I would map it out. And then we would meet weekly if we needed to, or bi-weekly and just get them back on track as much as I could possibly do that. So what I'm, what I'm getting at is this was something that was my nature. It was my nature to nurture, (laughs) 
but I still needed to learn that definition. So here's the summary. Here's the bottom line that helped me is I decided that I gave myself permission to nurture. I said, it's what makes me a great manager. It's what makes me a great leader. It's what gives me longevity and employees. I need to be able to do this, but I also need to not um, get attached. I cannot expect that my heart pouring is going to be reciprocated. I had to remember that I was still the first person they would talk about when I wasn't in the room. You know, I was the first person they were going to gang up on if I was five minutes late. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I totally get that. And I think, I mean, I I love this story, right? And I think, like, I I totally see how you see it as a man versus woman perspective. But I think, like, my experience in in less male, less, um, how do you say that, less uh, numbers focused roles is that there's just as many men as women who have that same challenge right and, and I've definitely also met plenty of women that didn't have that challenge right so um, I, I think it's more personality thing but you're totally right like the car business especially is you know it's so numbers driven it's so data driven and you just have to be most people at least in that world is very sort of cold-ish uh, from an emotional standpoint, right? So that, that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, I've been through it. I, I've been, I've had so many people I've coached that have been through it. And the, the interesting thing for me is I always, what I always say to people, because I've met people who are very, very capable of being extremely good friends with their staff and still um, give them, you know, if they need to let go, they can let them go. If they need to give them feedback, they can do that. But I've also at the same hand had people who absolutely couldn't, right? So I think it's very much exactly as you say, you need to figure out who are you as a person and how does it work for you to work with people, right? And I've definitely had some people that was like, you know, if I become friendly with people, I won't be able to fire them, right? And if if that is the case, then yeah, my recommendation is don't become friendly with people. But I personally, like I've always had the total opposite. Like I, I, I mean, I've worked in many, many companies and all over the globe and, and I've always had it. Like I, I don't personally have a problem being very friendly with people. And for me, that's part of it. Now, I've definitely had people who have dumped me as friends because I've done certain things as a boss that I had to do. But in, in the end of the day, like, my job is my job, right? So if if people stop respecting you as a friend uh, because you have fired them, for example, um, that is what it is. But I also have lots of people with the opposite that, you know, that I've had to fire, for example, and, you know, who are still uh, great friends of mine. Um, and again, like, I think it also depends on the relationship. It also depends on the person who are on the other end of that, right? Because some people do take things extremely personal, uh, while others is like, hey, you know, I respect you because, you know, even though you're friends, you, I was not doing well. And, you know, you stood up and, and you made the right move for the company. So uh, I, I think it's very interesting, but I love your story and I love how you sort of developed it over time, because I think that's what happens to most people. Uh, unfortunately, what I've seen is a lot of people in the situation you were in where, you know, they have a bad experience and they're like, oh, this is horrible. I never want to do that again. And they end up closing, closing down. Right. Or they basically say, oh, you know, I don't want to talk to people because, you know, if I talk to them, I can't do the right thing. Uh, and I sometimes find that a bit sad, at least from my point of view. But 
yeah, it's, it's interesting. So how, yeah, how do you do nowadays? How do you do nowadays? Like what, what's sort of your mindset now for that? Uh, it's the same. Uh, the difference is that now that I coach people, uh, it's almost like that same sort of, it's a little bit different in that uh, instead of them being employees, they are clients, right? Um, and I'm still pouring into them. I'm still doing all those things that serve my soul and theirs. And um, at the end of the day, I mean, one thing can go wrong. And I just, it's not that I, I wait, I carry that mindset with me. It's just an awareness that it is what it is. That's kind of what I've come to is it is what it is. I'm going to risk getting hurt, so to speak, because I believe this is what I'm being called to do now is pour out my soul, pour out my heart, help this person as much as I can. And, and there's, and I'd, like you said, I could have stopped. I could have said, no, this is, this is too painful. People are messed up. I could have gotten jaded. I could have, um, stopped in my tracks, but it would have stopped me. It would have hurt me more than anybody else. And I just wasn't going to let that be the thing that stopped me. I just needed to remember that it's, it's a relationship that you can, that can turn on a dime because you never know what's going on really in somebody else's world and their head and whatever, and their life, who's talking to them. You know, they might think you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. And then, you know, they talk to their mother and their mother just totally talks them right out of it. Now they've got to come back with a whole new perspective. You know, it's, it's, there's, there's so many moving pieces to the world and humans are so dynamic, but I just have to remember that um, I have to trust. I have to just trust that what I'm doing, I'm following my heart, that it's all going to have good things. And that even though something might end, what others might call as awkward or uncomfortable, it was for a purpose and it's going to work out. It, everything always seems to work out. So I just kind of keep moving forward. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, yeah, I think that's, it's also the only way you can, you can deal with it, right? I mean, I, even with friendship, I've had a lot of the time, I've had the same thing, right? Like, I'm, I'm one of these people, first of all, I move a lot, but also I have a lot of friends, right? I know a lot of people. And very often, I'm not good at staying in contact with people who are not physically near me. Right. I mean, I used to, when my grandma was still alive, I used to have a calendar reminder once a month to, to call her and stuff. Like I, I, I'm very focused on living right here, right now. And when I have great friends on the other side of the planet, some people's like, Oh, you haven't called me for six months. So I assume we're not friends anymore. And, you know, some people's like, Oh, amazing to see you again. And exactly the same. Like some people I haven't seen for 10 years. And when you meet them, it's exactly like you, you knew each other yesterday. Right. So um, I, I've just, really just learn to roll with it and you know if people feel we are not good friends because i haven't called them uh, in a period of time and by the way phones work both ways but uh just in case that i'm i'm the guilty party i mean that's i'm like yeah. okay well that's their loss right but i've always ended up saying that i, I don't want to lose out on the potential of lots of amazing people in order to avoid potentially getting hurt right or, or how i typically say it is you know i, I don't want to not meet eight amazing people because two of them might turn turn out badly right or because two of them might you know have, have a funny idea about who i am or what i do and so on right so i i totally believe that you you have to run the risk when it comes to people um, and I, also i'm i'm very motivated by looking at other people because i see so many people who are sitting at home who 
in my opinion, is not getting the most out of life and, and the opportunities they have because they're afraid, right? They, they don't want to get hurt, like even relationships, right? Like people are like, oh, you know, I don't want to get involved in something because, you know, I might get hurt. And I'm like, yeah, and that's part of life. You might yeah. also just stop living and like, that's, <laughs> you, yeah, you, know, you know, that. Man. My, I told you my parents both passed away young and yeah. my husband, when I met him, um, he was a real estate investor I was apprenticing with and I had no idea he was into me until one day he just out of the blue tells me, I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. So we end up courting and whatnot. We become married. Now he's almost 20 years older than me yeah. and going into the relationship, I could see that I had these, um, I don't know fears, I suppose it was of, of, well, he's probably going to die before me. Right. And, and if anybody's listening and they've lost a parent, especially at a young age, you understand that how that like defines almost everything in your life. Right. My mother died at 38. So for the years I thought I was going to die at 38. Right. It's just, it's just this like psychological thing. Cause I was just young when she passed. And so looking at this relationship, I really had to dig deep. I'm like, I love him and I know he loves me. It's authentic. It's, um, it was just, it was definitely everything that I'd asked for in a relationship. But then I thought to myself, can, am I going to give up this, this love for, because I'm afraid of losing him before I'm already to like, that sounds so selfish, but I was almost like at that point where I had to ask myself, am I okay moving forward with this relationship? <laughs> and I made yeah. that conscious choice. I'm like, Hey, you know what? I would rather live in love than not ever live. And that's where it's at. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, totally, totally same, uh, same wavelength with all of that. And I think, I, I think it's, it, it's also freeing somehow, right? Because I think when I meet people, I mean, I, I'm very, very open-minded and, you know, I, I, I meet people with an open heart and I, just like yourself, I love helping people and so on. Right. But I think it's, it's also letting go of that fear to some extent, letting go and not being like, Oh, you know, what if this person does this thing? Like, I don't think about it. Like, I'm like, you know, if shit happens, shit happens. And reality is there's nothing I can do about it. Right. Yep. So like letting go of that, I think also just puts you in a much better situation. Right. Again, take it back to similar to like relationships. And, and, and for me, I mean, that's the most important thing about management is building good relationship with your staff. Now it's not, it's, that's not the same as being friends, but building relationship with your staff, I mean, building, building a bond, making sure they understand that you value them and, you know, listening to them and all that sort of stuff, right? It is the most important thing. And it doesn't mean that it can't go wrong. It doesn't mean they can't stop performing, but it's all it's all a numbers game, right? The, the better relationship you build with your staff, the more likely they will perform. And your job yeah. as a manager is to do what you can to make them perform as best as you can. Right? Well, and I think it's important to remember that, this is kind of sounds wicked to say, I suppose, but it's a one-sided relationship. You know, you are, as a manager, it's, you are on all the time. You're being watched all the time. You are having to pour into them all the time. You don't get a chance to be human sometimes. Like I noticed it was like, if I was having a rough patch in my life, I wasn't allowed to have a bad day, right? Because if I had a bad day, my whole team had a bad day. 
so I basically what I'm saying is my energy influenced everybody in the room. I had 30 people in this one room. I had to keep, I was on right. Energetically on all the time. And, um, and the other thing is too, is, is having that business relationship and having that management relationship with, with your staff, it doesn't go both ways. You don't get to ask them about their personal life. Like if you follow them on Facebook and know they went out Sunday night and had a few drinks, but they called in Monday morning, right? You know, they have the brown bottle flu, but you're not allowed to say anything when they call in sick. You know, It's like, it's this one-sided almost relationship in a way. And to just be able to recognize that, that they have a life that they're not telling you about, right? They could be planning to leave. They could be planning to, um, I don't know, go get another job. They could be planning to take your job, <laughs> I suppose, if you're in that situation. Um, and then that's just the, they could be planning to go out on their own and, and use what they're learning and go start their own business similar than another spot. There's all these things happening that are going on behind the scenes. And that I think is where it can feel, um, I don't know if defeating is the right word, but irking for sure. You know, when you suddenly have somebody that you've given them all of this, and then you just realize that they were not what they seemed. And yet you felt like you had to be transparent the entire way. And it is, it can be a very one-sided type of a relationship. Yeah, I, I would say particularly on a personal level, I actually love it. Like the, the way you said with, you you can't have a bad day. I mean, I, I, I agree to some extent, right? But what I love about it is the fact that it it makes it easier for me to hold myself as a very high standard, right? Because I think as people, you know, it's easy to lower our own standards sometimes and it's easy to, you know, take, take a day that's very relaxed once in a while and, you know, everyone does. But I, I think the particularly leading people and, and particularly being in, in situations like you're talking about, it's one of those things that it made it easier for me to motivate myself to not do so. And in the end of the day, that's, uh, I mean, even a lot of my development comes from that, right? It comes from the fact that, you know, constantly pushing myself, constantly challenging myself and so on. And, and I felt to some extent that that was made easier because, you know, I had to show up. Uh, I, I show up every day, always put the best foot forward and all that kind of stuff. And, and the thing is, if I had not been a management position, I might have done the same, but I would definitely have had the ability not to do so at the same level, at least. Right. That, so that's I, true. I, yeah, I, I definitely felt it like as a positive thing that, you know, I have to be the best me all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I definitely understand because I mean, I that's, I think that's when I really started getting into like Darren Hardy and the compound effect and learning. And I would just implement the strategies over and over again every, you know, every time because of so many moving pieces. Um, but that you're right, it did force me to, to expand and to really put to practice the self-help tools that I was learning about. Yeah. And I think also like what you were saying, so so I get the one side relationship totally, right? And and there is always stuff going on. But what, what I've always found is that the, the better relationship you've had with people, the more they will tell you. I'm not saying they will tell you everything. And sometimes stuff happens in people's life that weren't planned and so on, right? But yes, definitely my, my experience is that the better relationships, the 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 sooner you will know if stuff is happening. Right. And I, I've, I've gone the other way and I, I always take the other route. And I'm like, if people come to me and, and says, you know, Hey, I'm thinking of leaving and so on. 
I think that the, the, the response from most people is an emotional one. And it's the, oh, no, don't do that. Why do you want to do that? And it's all like, uh, it's basically encouraging people not to share that kind of information with you. Mm-hmm. Whereas I've always found the opposite. Like I'm what I always try to, even though I might not feel that way in my heart, I always start by saying, wow, that sounds exciting. You know, what are you planning to do? What are you you know, what, what's your goal? Like, and I, 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 most of the time I'm even super helpful to people um, because if, if people, I mean, if someone just walked in the door, that's a different situation. But if someone have worked with me, have, have put a lot of time and effort into the business, um, it doesn't mean I expect them to stay around forever. Yeah. And I've, I've had many, many situations where even sometimes I've helped people get the next job. Right. Mm-hmm. Because, They've they've been amazing for for us for a long time, and you know, uh, it, it's only good to give back. And and my experience is always that those things come back like twentyfold, right? As in, um, when you help people, when you when you take those steps, um, it, it comes back one way or another, right? Like it I comes always back commend in- them. Like yeah. you th- you think about the fear that goes into that, especially when you have a relationship with them, they must feel very scared to tell you and to feel like they're letting you down. So, I mean, I always think about like, oh my goodness, they're probably, this probably took a lot for them to even come tell me. And it is sad because it's like a little breakup, you know, I feel like, oh, (laughs) we had such a good thing going. (laughs) Totally, totally. (laughs) But yes, I agree with you a hundred percent anytime that I can, you know, and I think where, where I was at in my staff, they were entry-level people. I I mean, I would sit with them and say, look, I know you're not going to be here for the rest of your life. This nobody comes into this position like I'm going to be a BDC agent for my whole career. Like that's not a big vision somebody has. I would push them to dream bigger. You know, what do you want in life? How can this job help you get where you want to go? And when that time comes, you tell me and we'll work through it. But um, it's definitely it's definitely a, a surprise when, you know, things happen that are not, I guess, not as you're expecting. And I think that's more or less what I'm saying is just having that reminder because, you know, it's, it's the only problem it, it really boils down to this. And I bet you'll agree with me. It's about managing your own expectations. Yes. I mean, really, it, that's all I guess I'm saying is, is manage um, your expectations in the relationship. For, for me, uh, the happiness formula in life is very, very simple and straightforward. Uh, and it's basically happiness is, is um, reality minus expectation. I think um, most happiness, the, the easiest way to be a happy human being is expect less. And some people like, oh, that sounds horrible. But I'm like, if you learn to expect less of other people and instead appreciate what they give to you, you will be a significantly happier human being. Now, what you actually get from that is the exact same, right? So whatever you expect, like the outcome is going to be the same. Like if you expect people to, fall in the sword and die for you if you expect people to run away at the first chance like whatever you expect the outcome is going to be the same right yeah. but the main thing is how it actually impacts you right yeah. how it actually impacts your life and your expectations and your happiness right and and i've definitely i, I am i'm an extremely happy person for having learned to to not expect a lot from other people right um, because I, I really feel that it's one of those things that makes me so happy all the time because I'm, I'm getting so much more than I expect, 
right? When when I do that, and that's at least for me, that's a big part of the driver between my ability to be pretty much a constant happy human being, if you will. Right? I agree. Awesome. I'm with you, hundred percent. Awesome. So. Any kind of awesome management resources or anything you want to recommend to the audience in terms of uh, sort of learning materials, the likes that you've benefited from yourself? So I would definitely recommend Aaron Hardy and the Compound Effect and his mentorship program. Um, For me, it was critical with time management, being able to juggle so many different moving pieces um, and to still stay on, right, emotionally. Um, I needed to have organization. Uh, that was that was a powerful thing. Plus, he's just so inspiring. He just helps to lift you up and and gives you. I don't know if any if if you're listening to this and you haven't heard, he was the CEO of Entrepreneur Magazine, and so he interviewed the best of the best, like guys like Donald Trump and Richard Bronson. I mean, and then he kind of cultivated their secrets and turned it into a book. To me, it's like the modern day Think and Grow Rich in a way. Yeah. And I just, I just really uh, listed, like I said, I invested in that book. That book alone gave me so much information and I would highly recommend that book. Awesome. Yeah. I, I love it as well. That's a great book. So awesome. If people are eager to get hold of you, what's the best way to do so, Lindsay? Well, I have basically two ways. My website is the Passive Income Examiner and that's um, .com. And then my podcast is the Passive Income Examiner where I get to interview awesome people who have passive income streams and I do some coaching and motivating there myself. Um, and so that's that's kind of what my name of the game is. I'm looking to give people who are working and trading time for money uh, freedom and finding a financial stability in other ways. So that's what I do. Love it. Fantastic. Well, Lindsay, thank you very much for joining me on today's episode. That was uh, fantastic to talk to you. Thank you. Pleasure was all mine. Excellent. And to the audience, thank you for listening this far. I hope you enjoyed it and we'll be back again next week. Have fun. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.